This is your reminder that Karen, Delina, and Shalon are not professionals of any kind. If you need medical, fitness, or nutritional advice, please seek out qualified professionals that do that sort of thing. Well, hey there. You have stumbled into Sister Sharpen Sister. We get together and talk about first one thing and then another, but you never really know where our conversations are going to end up. Welcome to this week's episode of Sister Sharpen Sister. My name is Karen. And I'm joined by my beautiful sisters, Delina and Shalon. Today, we're talking about feelings and how feelings can fail us. You have any initial thoughts on that? What do you, what do you mean by? When somebody says feelings are not facts or feelings will fail you, what comes to mind? Well, when I was young, I didn't realize. But now I, I know, I know, I know for a fact that feelings are not facts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so let's start with definitions. Emotion is an automatic response to a stimulus. It occurs instinctually and almost universally for everybody in the world. So like if somebody is experiencing joy, everybody's facial expressions will be similar or anger or fear. The facial expression and the body response is similar throughout the world. Emotion is manifested in the unconscious part of the brain. And it's associated with uh, thoughts, desires, and actions that we've had beforehand. So feelings is a subjective, conscious, and mental interpretation that has been made from the physiological response of the emotion that we felt. So in short, feelings are generated from our thoughts about the emotions that we have had. And I think within those definitions, we should realize that they're not a fact because physiologically, that's our bodies. Our bodies change daily. I mean, if you're trying to lose weight and you'll see that, oh, I lost five pounds. Oh, no weight. I gained three pounds. What? What's going on? That's, that's not what it's talking about when it's talking about a physio- emotion being a physiological response. It's talking about like the way that your body will move and react, facial expressions. Yes. I, I know. I, I realize that. What I'm trying to say is, is that our bodies change. And because our body is reacting to something that's in our head, that's a thought, since our bodies do change, that should tell us that feelings will also change. I see. Okay. Well, yeah, it's like when you're younger, if something makes you angry, like somebody is making some sort of a political statement that you absolutely think is, is, is stupid. You know, it might make you angry when you're in your twenties, but in your fifties, it might just only bring up an eye roll. (laughs) You know, the, the response is different because number one, I've matured. And number two, it it no longer affects me the way that it used to. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you change. Right. Because mm-hmm. we have changed. So what you got for us, Didi? I know you researched. Well, um, <laughs> the very first thing I typed in was, why do feelings fail? And the only thing I can find from that search was <laughs> about failure. Failure. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. <laughs> yep. I changed it to, uh, why do feelings change? And I uh, went to a few different places and I came up with uh, poor communication, knowledge, experiences your thoughts will change and just flat out if we're talking about love and relationships is not working on the relationship Mm, yeah and i'm sure there's probably a lot more than that but that's the ones that i came up with and i wrote those down and i Mm -hmm. thought okay that's that's a good place to start i think yeah i think so too and and realizing that the feelings are not well feelings are real but not reliable Mm -hmm. um they can mislead us because mm-hmm. we may be seeing something and misunderstanding it, or we might have a misconception about something. 
Right, and, yeah, because it's definitely something that we need to, to consider, especially when we're dealing with other people, is that um, other people, other communities, other families, they don't all have the same backgrounds that we have. So well, the first thing someone that I... may say something and they're trying to be funny, but yet to you, because of your personal experiences and your background, it's not funny. Because of your 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 past, the, the yes. things that you've experienced and things that may have hurt you in the past. Right. When I meet people for the first time, I don't try to be funny. I don't try to do anything. I try to, I guess, soak them in to figure out who they are Right. before I try to do anything. So, and I think I was born with that because I think I've always been like that. Karen, you've known me my whole life. I think I've always been like that. Yeah. I've never been outgoing to the point to where I will meet somebody and for the first time and just go all in. I've never done that. Right. And I think we're both that way. A lot of people, when they first meet me, describe me as being aloof. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lady that I worked with years and years ago. And she said, when I first met you, I, you were so aloof. And I was like, aloof? <laughs> Who uses that word? She said, you were you were very reserved in how you responded to people and how you reacted. And I was like, well, it's because I didn't know you. Yeah, people describe me as being quiet. Somebody at work this past Friday said he was talking about how, because he's a utility driver and drives around all over the warehouse and he sees all kinds of different people. He says, you wouldn't believe it, the fights I've seen between between." women and girls he's older so he calls them girls with like 20 21 years old right but um, and i was like oh and he said now you are not a drama queen pointing at me <laughs> I said, thank you <laughs> so yeah sorry that was just i thought funny but yeah i don't think none of us are uh drama mamas <laughs> no. No, because we out. are we're all a little bit re reserved and um, we'll stand back before we just go and throw all in. Yeah. You know, I have to get to know someone before I will do that. And going back to the feelings and emotions and things changing, I think it's important to get to know someone before you do something like that. And when we're talking about relationships and how they change over time, when you first meet someone, you're not going to be seeing them in the same way you're going to be seeing them 10 years from now. Right. I agree. I don't know, just be knowledgeable of that and know that you're going to have to work at things. Mm -hmm. Both parties in a relationship will have to work. What about you, Shalon? I was just trying to think of what anybody has said about me when they first met me. Well, and You're nice. Because <laughs> you are. Oh, thanks. But Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, but the only thing I could think of was a young girl that I was working with who, again, a girl, 22, 23, very young. And after we had worked together for about nine months, she said that when she first met me, she was afraid of me. Oh, okay. But it was because of my facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> and then she realized, oh, well, that's just Shalon. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's funny. But it just made me think of what you said about how people react to certain feelings physiologically. <laughs> it comes across on our face. It, yeah. You can read my face like a book. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. My husband tells me that all the time. And when I, at, at work, especially when I was first working there, there were people that once they got to know me and I got to know them, they said, I, I would watch you just so I can see what your face would do. <laughs> so. Now that's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So the question is, 
What does feeling are not facts mean? While our feelings are valid and real, they don't always accurately represent the objective reality or truth of a situation. For example, someone may feel unlovable due to past rejections that they've had, but that doesn't make them universally unlovable. Feelings are fleeting. Mm -hmm. They change and can be influenced by things like hunger, fatigue, the environment, and any kind of past traumas or hurts that you've experienced. Uh, we need to avoid impulsive decision-making. So don't make any hasty decisions mm -hmm. based solely on how you're feeling in that moment. Just because someone or something makes you angry doesn't mean it's a good idea to act on that angry without some reflection first. The phrase itself, feelings are not mm -hmm. fact, distinguishes between feelings and facts. It, it doesn't mean that feelings are unimportant or that they should be ignored but it encourages acknowledgement of the feelings and suggests that a thoughtful evaluation before considering those feelings compared to absolute truth is what needs to happen. And in therapy, understanding that feelings are not facts can help somebody challenge and reframe negative thought patterns. For example, uh, feeling like you're a failure after a mistake doesn't mean that mm -hmm. you are a failure at life. Mm hmm so it's essential to recognize, validate, and process our feelings, but it's also we need to differentiate them from the unchanging facts, truths, and realities that we are surrounded by. Yeah, I, I went to one place during my research about your thoughts, and it, it was specifically talking about grief. That's an emotion. It's a feeling, so it's, it's important. And it talked about how you can control your thoughts. And people who are in grief might be thinking that the grief is driving their thoughts, but that According to this website I went to, that's not what's happening. Your thoughts are driving your grief, not the other way around. So you need to get a hold of those thoughts so that they don't control you. Exactly. You don't yeah. want your emotions to be the boss. You want to be the boss. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, our emotions may feel like they're in our chest or our stomach, but they're all, in, they're all in our head. That's where it starts. Yep. So how do you separate your feelings from fact? I have a biblically inspired how-to guide. <laughs> all right. Number one, prayerful reflection. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously and without fault, and it will be given to you. Number two, identify the feeling. Name what you're feeling. Is it fear, anger, jealousy? So being able to recognize and label that feeling can help you address it in a more direct manner. I think that identifying our feelings is something that a lot of people do not know how to do. Yes, 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 yes. Because sometimes a person may exhibit anger, but they're actually afraid. Afraid, actually yeah. Fear. Uh, the third one is to seek truth within scripture. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. So whenever mm -hmm. you have doubt, return to scripture to ground yourself in the understanding that we have in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The fourth one is to gather evidence, evaluate the situation and what are the tangible facts? What can you prove? Proverbs 18, 17 says the first to present his case seems right until another comes forward and questions him. I like that one a lot. <laughs> and number five is to talk it out. Proverbs eleven fourteen says where there is no guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So talk about what you're feeling with a trusted friend, pastor, counselor. Mm -hmm. I like about that one is it says an abundance of counselors. So it's it's okay and probably even a very good idea 
not just go to one place for your facts. You need to go to several places. Oh, yes, absolutely. So number six is to challenge your feelings and ask yourself, is what I'm feeling based on current reality or my past experience? Because sometimes past hurt can cloud current perceptions. Number seven is to wait and reflect. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. So give yourself time to process before drawing conclusions or making any decisions. Number eight is to practice mindfulness. Being present in the moment can help distinguish between the feels and the facts of a situation. And number nine, which is the last one, is to reaffirm who you are. Whenever you have feelings of doubt or insecurity, remember Romans 8, 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And it made me think, what's what's more than a conqueror? What would that be if you had to put a label on it? For me, it's the victor. You said the, the, the victor, so the victory from it. But, you know, when you conquer something, at least I'm thinking that you have like a new foundation and you need to build on that new solid foundation. What would your label be? Like one or one or two words. What would be the next step? Mm, two words. Strong foundation. Strong foundation. I like that. What about you, Shalom? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, That's I'm okay. at you. <laughs> What? Facial expression, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. It's the look on your face. It's not what you say. It's the, <laughs> Well, I mean, more than a conqueror, though, is is just you're you're more than someone who just has to conquer things their whole life. We're more than that. Right. What is that? More than a conqueror is what? Well, it's like y'all said, someone being victorious over things and then from that victory, having a new ground to stand on. Right. Okay. So can feelings be valid, but wrong at the same time? Well, yeah. Okay. Toss out an example. Um, there are times when I might not feel like my husband loves me very much, but I know he loves me very much. Well, I'm, I'm not a parent, but maybe getting very angry with your children because they did something or didn't do something. That's a valid emotion, but it may not necessarily be the right emotion to have just because your child did something or didn't do something. So our feelings are valid in the sense that they're real and genuine reaction to the situation or the thought, but um, we need to realize that we are made as emotional beings. Mm -hmm. That's how we were formed to so think about um, David with his lamentations in um, Psalms with that fight with Saul. And when he was hiding in the caves and, and all that good stuff, those kinds of feelings. Or we could think about mm -hmm. Paul whenever he was feeling joyous and uh, uh, content while he was in prison. And our feelings can be misleading. So misleading feelings still being valid, but incorrect. Think about being in Walmart and you see a good friend down at the other end of the aisle. So you wave at them, but they don't react whatsoever. And you feel slighted. You feel hurt from it. Later, you come to find out that maybe they were just worrying about something or they just didn't see you or <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were reading the ingredients on a label. <laughs> maybe it wasn't even your friend, just somebody that looked like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, or maybe I've it was before. your sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to think about too, is what is your automatic reaction to situations in your life? Because that thought, that thing that you just, that, that example you just gave of me seeing someone and waving at them and they don't react to me. My first reaction is, oh, they didn't see me. Right. <laughs> they're people, they're off in their own little, like, I'm not offended. I'm not hurt in any way. It's just, oh, they, they weren't paying attention. They're off in their own little world doing something. Right. I would yeah. not, I would not feel upset because someone didn't wave to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wouldn't feel slighted or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, there are people that, that would. Mm-hmm. Oh, I say no with my face. <laughs> <laughs> I think our mother is someone who can't say no. Why? We heard no a lot when we were growing up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I heard no a lot. No, that's, that's the thing is she'll say no to us. But my girls hardly hear that word. People that she works with hardly hears that word. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, she has to be so exhausted to say no to taking another shift. Yeah, she does. Yeah, or, she, or she'll ignore the phone calls when they come in. Right. So she doesn't she have answer. to say no. So she doesn't have yeah. to say no, yeah. And, you know, I think part of that reason for work is because she wants to be able to be the person that she needed when she had kids at home. And was working yeah. when she needed a weekend off or a day off or something like that. Mm-hmm. She wants or to be Christmas the person. Off or... Yes. Yeah. She wants to be the person that, that yeah. will let that other mother or that other father, whatever the case may be, spend time with their family. And I think that's where that comes from. But as far as telling us, no, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. heard a lot. So what about feelings versus truth? There's a lot of stuff Ooh. around today <laughs> where people are in their fields and they're ignoring the truth. No kidding. Look up the look up the difference between fact and truth. They're not the same thing. Everybody's truth can be different. Yes. I think what people may be doing is because your truth doesn't have to be the same as someone else's, doesn't mean that you can go into outer space with your truth. That's not what it means. So well, you just need to be careful with that. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, if, you get absurdities. If you look at, let's say, I don't know, the, the 1890s, slavery has ended. Mm-hmm. The truth for somebody born in 1890 is not the same truth as somebody born in 1990, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a big difference right there. Feelings versus truth. There is a line between our feelings and honest truth. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's the New International Version. The uh, New King James Version has desperately wicked instead of beyond cure, which I kind of like desperately wicked. (laughs) (laughs) So while our feelings are real, they can sometimes deceive us or at least lead us away from what is truth. Yeah. To me, our feelings are actually like a signal or a signpost that points us towards <laughs> something that might need attention. That's what I was about to say, is that you, you do need to talk about your feelings. You need to talk about what's going on. You, you should not just keep them inside and keep pushing them down and pushing them down. You should not do that. That's not a good idea, regardless of what your feelings are, or regardless of how you think someone's going to react to your feelings. Um, 
Right. But I do people do I do think people do need a safe place where they're not going to feel judged or ridiculed or 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 anything like that to talk about their feelings. Right. I think so too. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have safe places. That's true. I know. If our feelings are actually like a signal that makes us aware of something that needs to be taken care of, if you think of somebody that feels a little envious, maybe it's not an act- accurate reflection of of what they lack, but an indicator of what needs to be addressed as far as their contentment in life. You know, like if I'm envious of somebody for something, I should probably just do some self-reflection and figure out how come I'm not content with what I've got. Why am I looking, you know, at my neighbor's stuff? <laughs> yeah. I shall not covet, Karen. <laughs> I want that. I want that donkey. <laughs> that's that's my neighbor's life. <laughs> so I, I did find this quote and the quote comes from a website called coffeewithstarla.com. And it says in the dance of life, Feelings are the music, but wisdom guides our steps. <laughs> and I like that. That's, that's good. All right. So what else have we got? I think I've covered everything that I wrote down. Yeah, that's eight pages of notes. <laughs> yeah, we covered, I think, most of what I, I made notes on, we've talked about too, I believe, because I talked, I said that uh, communication is important, regardless of who your relationship is with, whether it's a a spouse or or your parents or your children or your brothers and sisters, your friends, your neighbors, whoever, communication is always important. Um, knowledge, what is it? Uh, knowledge is power, I think is what the phrase used to be. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So just be careful where you get your, your information from because there's a lot of stuff out there on social media these days that's not fact. Yeah. So wherever wherever you find your information, you need to go elsewhere to find the same information. If you're finding different information in different places, somebody's lying. Mm-hmm. So be careful. Just because that. it's on the un- on the internet doesn't mean it's true. That uh, is true. <laughs> uh, your experiences, um, your experiences are important. They will, you know. Karen uh, mentioned we all talked about um, your past experiences, like your past traumas and things. They will guide you. So it's important to make sure you don't let them control you. Now, the experiences you have with your loved ones can help make those relationships stronger. Like you and your spouse need to do something together. You need to have experiences together. Right. You and your siblings, you and your parents, you need to have experiences together. We talked about your thoughts, how it's important to make sure that they don't control you, mm. meaning your feelings, because your feelings are in your head. They're not in your heart or in your stomach. Sounds looking like she wants to say something. I Yeah, I do. Um, how you react to things and how your children perceive your feelings is something to watch out for because a lot of times we're just mimicking what someone else does. Yes. Yeah. And that's information I wish I had when I, when my kids were younger, I wish I'd had that information. Right. Oh my gosh. Didi, what else were you saying, honey? Well, oh no, it's, um, um, Talking about the thoughts, you know, I mean, our thoughts are important and we need to have them, but you just need to be careful with them. And this also comes to mind with uh, Karen talking about make sure you reflect on things before you react. Yeah. I asked Arnie, I asked him, I said, you know, do you have anything that you can think of from the Bible regarding feelings failing people? So he did a little cursory search and he, he said, and he said it in a good way. 
He said, there's mm-hmm. nothing specific in the Bible that says feelings or emotions, but it does a really good job of surrounding that subject with different things. And I've quoted some of them in here, like Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. The Jeremiah 17, 9, 9 through 10, the heart is deceitful and wicked and who can know it? The Lord searches the heart and tests the mind and gives to every man according to his ways. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in their own mind or heart is a fool. A verse that we went over this morning, we were in Psalm 86 and Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I like that. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. I think it's important that we say that you need to be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. So do you have a, um, like whenever you, well, that would be an unfair question. What I was going to ask was whenever you have feelings that upset you, do you have a favorite verse to go to? But that's unfair because we have all different kinds of feelings that can upset us. There's anger and grief and envy and, and guilt and, and all kinds of things. But you can do a search, uh, Bible verses about envy, Bible verses about loss, Bible verses about uh, guilt, and you can find a slew of information. Oh, one thing that I did want to uh, bring up is if you follow Andy Stanley, do you know who he is when I say Andy Stanley? Um, He has a series called You're Not the Boss of Me, talking about your feelings. And it was really good. When you asked about a Bible verse that you bring up when you're feeling something, one place, and I don't know why, I always run to Psalm 23. It is just like in my head. <laughs> That's blanket. That That is a blanket psalm that will just cover everything. Everything. Yes. Plus, it gets me focused on God and beyond my nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And start asking those questions and reflecting like we've talked about of why am I feeling like this? Yeah. You know, where did this emotion come from? Mm-hmm. What has happened the past few days? But that's something that I always recite a lot. Well, I always go to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things to because whatever I'm having trouble with, that's where I know I can go. Yeah, yeah. And that's really specific because Paul is talking about that when he was having a time of struggle when he wrote that letter to the Philippians you know he was talking about having and not having want and need Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you need strength you need anything you can always go there yeah yeah also like that part of Philippians it's talking about circumstances that you have no control over maybe I don't have control over them right now but I can get control over them that will help me get there yeah, yeah, that'll that's the bridge that gets you from one place to the next. <laughs> yeah. I do know this though. Uh-huh. I do know this. And I, I take it as absolute solid fact and truth that with your last breath, you can ask for forgiveness and it will be given to you. Yes. The worst life imaginable. If Adolf Hitler had said with his last breath, yes. forgive me, he would be in heaven. Yep. Yeah. So anybody who's going to be out there telling you that you have to do this, this, and this in order to be saved and go to heaven, it's not true. All you have to do is believe in Jesus 
in who he is, who he says he is. Yep. Because yeah. there was a discussion amongst family because I didn't have my children baptized when they were little, when they were babies. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Uh, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. It's, I know, exactly. It's about accepting Jesus. Once they accept Jesus, then they'll be baptized. Some people don't have time to do that, like the thief on the cross. Exactly. Okay, I got to tell y'all something. I forget if I read it or if I heard it on a podcast. I, I forget, but it's for someone who has faith. To me, it's a sign that there is life after. What? Am I, am I breaking up? Yes, you're breaking up. Say it again. I said it, it was something. I forget if I read it somewhere or if I heard it in a podcast. But for me, someone who has faith, it's proof that there is life after. So and if what you, it was is that there, okay? Huh? Um, um, if if you have faith, it's proof that there is life after. Yes. Okay. What, life after death. What's proof? Well, because you know a lot of scientific people argue where there's no proof, there's no proof, there's no proof. And although this may not be scientific proof for someone who have faith, for me it is scientific proof because there were these scientists, and I didn't research it or anything, so I'm just going by what I read or heard as being actual an actual research that was done is that there were these researchers who wanted to know what was going to happen to the brain at the time of death okay so what they did was somehow or another they arranged for people who were on life support they were in a persistent vegetative state so their brains were dead brain dead Mm -hmm. these people were brain dead scientifically as far as we know there was no brain activity these scientists somehow managed and i forget of how many people they use in the study and all but they got permission from family members that these people who are on life support and the family members had decided they they didn't want to keep them alive in that vegetative state they want to just let them go okay and these people were brain dead right brains were not active they were brain dead they had scans done they were brain dead according to our scientific measures they were brain dead mri or whatever they did they got the machine ready they unhooked them from life support and guess what happened at the moment of death their brains became active the brain that was dead became active as if they were walking, as if they were talking, as if they were singing. How wild is that? <laughs> That's insane. That is insane. Okay, anyway, yeah. Yeah, because if people were brain dead, it's not like part of their brain was still active. They were brain dead. And then when they, at, after they died, the brain How suddenly left. How long did what last? The the light show on the brain. Not Not long. Not long. Like, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, something like that. Not long. But somebody like me who has faith, that's proof that the soul was being released, I believe, to go to wherever it was going to go. Wow. Yeah. What's Karen looking up? Medicalnewstoday.com. New research shows a surge in brain activity at the time of death. The activity takes place in a part of the brain known for dreams and altered states of consciousness. Researchers say that the findings could help explain the vivid near-death experiences, such as bright lights and hallucinations, reported by people who were close to death. And I don't know if that's the specific thing that you saw. I typed in, study shows that brain-dead patients had brain activity on death. That was the very first one that popped up. Uh, It it doesn't sound like it, because I've actually read that before as well. And this is a May 2023 article. Well, and I I, I tried to say that I don't know that if the quote-unquote research that, that was done with two because i never really looked into it i didn't research it so i don't know if all of that was true or not i tried to tell you all that but where i kept breaking up and everything you may not have got it 
Right. And what they would have used is something called a functional MRI, which means that okay. that you know the you don't have to wait for the scans. You're watching it happen as it happens. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't like I said, I don't remember and it's been a little while back that I read it or heard it. So I'm I i do not have a real good memory lock on all of the details. But I do, do remember specifically that the people were brain dead and they were put whatever machine it was, and then when they cut off the life support, they stopped breathing and they were dead. There was these brain dead people, their brains were active. When I was in nursing school, this is when I was in LPN school, and then subsequently when I was in RN school, heard the same story was that scientists had been studying uh, people at the time of death, and this was before MRI and things like that, but they were using a scale on the bed. And after the patients had died, they actually lost a little bit of weight, like three or four ounces, and they surmised that it was the soul leaving the body. Yeah, I've, I've read that before too. And they only did the study once, no one's picked it up to do it again. So it's not conclusive. Right. There's never really no peer review for it or anything like that. No. Is there anything we want to say to end this feelings episode other than happy Valentine's Day? I wish I was a Vulcan sometimes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Be a Vulcan. Yeah. Be Spock. <laughs> no, but he's half human, but, so he still has emotions. Well, yeah. I mean, they all, all Vulcans have emotions. They just control them. They're a lot better controlling them. A lot better controlling them. Yeah, there you go. Since Spock is half human, maybe we can relate to him a little better. Yeah, Yeah, maybe we can. (laughs) (laughs) Live long and prosper. (laughs) Thank you for joining Sister Sharpen's Sister. If you enjoyed this episode, invite your family and friends to listen and leave us a review. You can find Sister Sharpen's Sister on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And join the conversation by sending us an email to sharpsistertrio at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye.